0: What's up, everyone? I'm Catherine Rudder, and this is Life in the Fast Chain. I'm in the studio with Austin Appleby, who is on our digital currency team here at R3. Thank you for joining me.
1: Thanks for having me, Catherine. Really excited to be here.
0: Of course. I know I sprung it on you a little last minute, but um, let's talk really quickly. We're talking digital currencies, recent news, Um, but I think your story is interesting. How did you come to R3?
1: Uh, Well, I came to R3 uh, about a year ago. Uh, mm-hmm. actually when the CBDC working group was a twinkle in our eye, uh, yeah. and it was kind of a, it's been a journey since then. Um, starting in September of last year, uh, when things really started to kick up, yeah. uh, but I've been a part of that initiative ever since I've been here. Um, so CBDCs, yeah. digital currencies.
0: Is that what you thought you were going to be doing when you came to R3?
1: You know, no, actually. I joined uh, as a as a research associate, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I kind of just got roped into it, and it's been really, <laughs> really fun ever since.
0: Are you happy with being roped into it?
1: Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah? Uh, yeah. It's An
0: unexpected awesome. surprise.
1: Yeah, you know, when I first got here, I actually had no idea what CBDC meant. That was a year ago. I didn't know what it stood for. Nor either. did
0: I. Nor did I.
1: Um, but, uh, you know, uh, since then, of course... It's been a long journey, but, uh, yeah. but Central Bank Digital Currencies has become, you know, a passion of mine, actually.
0: Dude, it's, so it's a hot topic. So recently, um, the Bank of France came out with uh, some news about what they're doing um, with Central Bank Digital Currencies. Can you tell me what that's all about?
1: Yeah, it's actually a really exciting process that's been in the works for a couple months now. Um and, and what they're doing, they're doing two primary things. Um, they have uh, uh, two wholesale CBDCs in uh, uh-huh. a French digital uh, financial instrument um, that are on a DLT platform, that being Corda. Yeah. And uh, the uh, they're, they're doing two main tests. So the mm-hmm. first of which is that they're exchanging that digital instrument um, against a euro wholesale CBDC. Okay. Uh, and they're also, which is, which is called a DVP transaction, mm-hmm. um, that's delivery versus payment. And then they're also exchanging the euro wholesale CBDC against a Swiss franc CBDC,
0: okay,
1: uh, which is a payment versus payment. Uh, And I think one of the primary, uh, one of the most interesting parts about this initiative is that these uh, these transactions will be uh, settled between banks that are in different countries.
0: Yeah, that's the kind of what I found kind of interesting.
1: Yeah. So it's it's actually built out of a, a um, pretty profound technology that we've been working on at R3 for, for quite some time now. Yeah, um, And we've actually recently uh, came out with a blog post about it. It's yep. on our website. Um, and it outlines the protocol that enables that cross-border, uh, cross-network transaction.
0: Yeah. I find uh, the blog post, if you're kind of also more interested in like the r3 side of it corda um i think that's a good resource um i so in the uh press release they say uh that it's of exploratory nature and should not be interpreted as an indication that the bank of france or the swiss national bank plan to issue wholesale cbdc is that true do you think you
1: know, I think central <laughs> banks. I think central banks have to say, you know, yeah, uh, something yeah. lo- along the lines of that. That's um, you know, this is not financial advice. That type yeah. of that yeah. type of deal. Um, I gotcha. So I can I can neither confirm nor deny.
0: That's kind of what I say to people when they ask me about uh, cryptocurrencies, or when I like touch on it on the podcast. I'm like, please do not take any advice that comes from me. (laughs) And also, I don't want our legal team here to be like, really, now we're a cryptocurrency podcast? Yeah, yeah, totally. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So that was recent news. That's really exciting, obviously, for them, for us, as it's built on Corda. Um, What else is happening in the CBDC space?
1: Well, it's really exploded in the past year. Yeah. Um, I mean, just in terms of projects that uh, us at R3 have worked on, uh, we did about a project a year uh, plus or oh, uh, since maybe 2016 with the uh, Project Jasper, the Bank yep. of Canada, mm-hmm. um, you know, and kind of s- slowly moved through the through those first couple years. However, uh, really since the beginning of 2020 and our project, uh, our eCorona project, uh, which is a which is a retail CBDC in Sweden, uh, mm-hmm. things have exploded. They've picked up at a considerably fast pace. Um, we're working like like we mentioned with the with the Bank of Bank of France, uh, as well as uh, the uh, South African Reserve Bank on a mm-hmm. on another wholesale project. Um, you know, there's there's the of course the MCBD pr- project uh, in in Asia Pacific. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, really globally, I mean, of course, everyone knows that that China is pushing their uh, retail CBDC, yeah. uh, and they're they're actually a a driver for the rest of the world. So everyone says everyone you know, realizes that they're actually, you know, behind China, which is seems to be leading the way at this time. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, we've seen an incredible increase in interest in the past uh, eight to 12 months.
0: Yeah, well, that's for sure. I feel like I was talking about on the podcast, I was talking about CBDCs uh, with George and Todd um, and other our 3 ers over a year ago. I've had George on since then and Todd probably I should probably get Todd back on the podcast before he uh, looks to get me fired because I haven't had him on for a little while (laughs) Um, but but when I initially had them on talking about CBDCs it was more like exploratory just like learning more about them but this feels like massive progress in the last six to 12 months
1: yeah. Yeah. And you know, we, while there is research going on globally and development going on globally, um, we are starting to see our first pilots and, and actual yeah. production developments. Yeah. Um, one of those is actually the Bahamas. They, they rolled out a production CBDC called the Sand Dollar.
0: Oh yeah. Um, really? Yeah.
1: very cool. Uh, very cool project that actually enables offline, uh, transactions of a CBDC, which is something that is, um, you know, a, a pretty big consideration for many central banks.
0: Yeah, you're in a really cool space. And and like you said, even though maybe it wasn't what you initially expected, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I feel like it's one of the, the coolest, <laughs> cool, um, kind of coolest areas to be in right now, just because so much is going on.
1: It, it truly is. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, this is something I f- almost forgot to mention. It's like, I've been working on CBDC for a year right now and it's really felt like I've had, you know, a single college course on, you know, all day every day on <laughs> CBDC day. for a full year. <laughs> and um, you enjoy
0: it. <laughs> and and
1: I'm still enjoying it today. So Great. Yeah, I, I mean I, I think if there wasn't so much excitement around it um, you know, globally, it might be a different story, but yeah. but it really is, you know. Yeah. It, it's huge, so.
0: I'm sure you also learn a lot every day as, as do I. Um, So thank you so much for joining me today. I'm sure in a few months or uh, yeah, a few months we'll come back and I'm sure a lot will happen in the space. So we always have lots to talk about with CBDCs. I feel.
1: Yeah, it would be, uh, it would be lovely.
0: (laughs) Thanks for joining me.
1: Thanks, Catherine.
0: In the New York studio with Chris Aguas, the founder and CEO of CoreChain, and RJ Herrick, CTO. CoreChain Technologies is a B2B network that uses the one and only Corda to build technology to automate the exchange of transaction data and funds within a secure environment, reducing painful reconciliation and error-prone manual processes. How'd I do? Perfect. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Great. I'm so happy to have you both in the studio. How are you doing today?
2: we're excited to be here. Yeah, it's great to be back out on the town. It's great to be in New York City again. It's great to see folks uh, out and about again. Life hopefully getting uh, ever so closer back to normal.
0: I know. Uh, I know that life is getting back to somewhat normalcy uh, by the Elmos in Times Square. (laughs)
3: <laughs> For sure. How many characters you've got out there? Yeah. Good, good indicator.
0: There are a ton. And you, if you see me in Times Square, you'll see me sprinting away from them. They scare <laughs> the crap out of me. But that means that New York City is coming back, baby. back baby. Absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah. How? Do, so this, we were talking a little bit earlier. Um, this is the first time you guys are in New York City in how long? Is that true?
3: Almost a year and a half, probably last January for me. Yeah. Yeah. First trip out to New York City since before everything went down. I think our last business trip together was Blockchain Week to Boston. Uh, yeah, in uh, 2020. Yeah. In oh, early March. Yep. Yep. Oh, early March. Was, so that was on the
0: cusp. Just yep. th-
3: just as they were announcing everything was was shutting down, we we went up and we were up there for Blockchain Week party at one of the companies. And uh, it was half full because people were starting to stay home and so happy to be back out here in these wonderful new offices you have. Yeah. yeah, This is spectacular.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, now I'm not working out of a closet, so that's nice. <laughs> um, the studio, there's some room to move it's around. Like
3: six times, eight times
0: bigger. It is so much yeah. bigger. Yeah, it's really nice. And we have the little Life in the Fast Chain logo on the wall. Um, yeah, so I can't complain. You guys have to see all the little funky rooms because all of our offices... Have you been in our London office? I have not yet oh, you have to go. It's, it's three stories now. Oh, nice. I know. And we kind of, for this office, the business resources team kind of like drew off of our London office because they wanted it to be very familiar for people who travel. Of course, no one's really traveling, (laughs) but
3: but someday we might though. I I think it's a possibility.
0: Someday we will. Um, but yes, we have like funky rooms. You have to check them all out. Have you seen the astronaut room? No. So, oh, yeah, it's cool.
3: We were just hanging out in Hedy Lamar, you know. Oh, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I, I, I love the names on all the rooms. We walked past Satoshi. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so, yeah.
0: There's a Tesla
3: room. Yep.
0: There is a Tesla room. Um, yeah, it's really cool being in New York. And the office today, specifically, is pretty full. I mean, everyone's obviously able to social distance and, and do whatever they're most comfortable with. But it's so nice to feel some normalcy. Yeah. It is. Um, so... On that note, how has COVID impacted your business other than the obvious of not being able to travel and all that?
2: Well, so basically what we do at Corechain is we build B2B payments networks for channel partners. Mm -hmm. Uh, And of course, as you pointed out, we've built it on Corda. So so business-to-business payments, particularly here in North America, and of course, when we talk about B2B or business-to-business payments we're talking about payments that a buyer makes to a supplier for goods and services mm-hmm. that they've purchased. Um, here in North America, believe it or not, almost two-thirds of payment volume is still being settled on traditional paper checks. Really? Which is a number Two that... Thirds? Two-thirds? Two-thirds. Two-thirds. <laughs> and interestingly enough, that number has been relatively constant for the past 10 to 20 years. Oh, so you have a situation where companies are still buried in paper Mm -hmm. For settling their payments. And one of the interesting things about paper checks is if you're a supplier being paid by paper checks or you're a buyer making payments with paper checks, Mm -hmm. it's one of the few back office things that literally can't be done at home. Somebody has to go to the office. Print and sign the checks, get them in envelopes, get them get them uh, into uh, postage stamps and get them to the post office. Yeah. And yeah. similarly, if you're being paid that way, somebody's got to go open the mail, deal with the paper and get it over to the bank. So what we've actually seen is a lot of interest from companies that have realized they've got to get rid of this last bastion of paper processes and begin to move to the electronic world of payments. And we think the way to do that yeah. is with our platform built on Quora. Yeah.
0: Well, that must have been, like, kind of a wake-up call then for a lot of people at the beginning of COVID, right? Well, not necessarily the beginning. I left the office, like, see you guys in two weeks. Yeah. So maybe not right away. <laughs> but what did you feel like that, like, all of a sudden people were, like, I'm sure people were interested in your solution beforehand, mm-hmm. obviously. Because to me, working in the space, I'm like, duh, that makes sense. Um, but did you find, so you had a lot more interest basically right after COVID kind of hit.
2: So it's been not only us, but also uh, other players throughout the B2B payments space have seen that companies have realized we need to do this differently. We need to do this electronically. We can't count on people having to physically go to the office in order to
3: run our financial.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So
3: that's, it's been a nice tailwind for us. Yeah. The disruption has really accelerated a lot of things. Um, You know, I think things fell apart and we were looking for new solutions. And that's why I have all sorts of wonderful delivery options for food to my house that I never had before. <laughs> yeah. and, you know, all these other shopping options and a lot of them are not going away. And I think that they wouldn't have been the incentive to get them in place if yeah. COVID hadn't happened. So, you know,
0: yeah, it's such a, Bummer in a sense that a global pandemic, obviously, where it's, uh, we're very fortunate to even be able to come into our offices and, yeah. and whatnot. So, on one hand, it's a very weird and I find uncomfortable balance for me because obviously like you guys with your business this all makes sense to me and then and you're getting more interest which is phenomenal but then the other side of it is like oh well we needed a pandemic to get more traction and like mm-hmm. instacart and all those things like there are some companies who are just killing it now yeah. Yeah. some who are obviously uh, not so much um but If we're thinking of the business side of things, I'm happy for you guys.
3: (laughs) Making the best
2: of a bad bad situation. situation. That's really what it's about. And that is, is, you know, RJ and I are entrepreneurs. That's what entrepreneurs do. Yeah. Our business is making lemonade out of lemons. you see disruption,
3: you know there's an
0: edge somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So, RJ, what made you jump on the bandwagon?
3: Oh, gosh. So, um, I had gone into... um, Ethereum specifically and smart contracts and was really, um, really focused on that programmable money aspect, which has been an interest of mine for years yep. and um, had been helping to run a DAP development uh, group in Connecticut. And uh, in one of our events, I met Chris, who comes out of a much more traditional finance background, but was looking to figure out how to use DLT to uh, to get that edge. So um, he got me excited about the potential of really being able to update the way payments are done in the U.S., and um, I'm here for it.
0: Yeah, I think. Uh, when did you, when when was Cordain, uh founded?
2: So we were founded in uh, March of uh, 2019, and RJ nice. and I started working together uh, almost immediately thereafter.
0: Oh, nice. So what made you guys uh, pick Corda?
3: So that's actually the first thing that we did mm-hmm. is uh, Chris engaged me to do an evaluation of the DLT platforms in the space. Uh, he had some requirements for what he wanted for his uh, his network infrastructure. And so I did- Now a, our network partner. Now our network. <laughs> it, at the time, it was, it, you know, you, you were out there searching. And, um, and so I did an evaluation. I actually didn't know much about Corda at that time, um, mm-hmm. because I was very focused on the public space and smart contracts specifically. Understood. But then, um, you know, having that opportunity to really look at the private and permissioned side of the equation and the business needs that were there and, and how the technology fit that, mm-hmm. you know, I identified Corda as the leading candidate for what we wanted to do and thank you for proving us right (laughs) since then it's it's made that decision and his decision to to bring me on you know really click so absolutely
2: absolutely and you know beyond just the technology r3 you guys have provided some fantastic support for Core chain and for other early stage companies like us through the Venture Development Program, which has yeah. recently been revamped and enhanced. So yeah. that's been really helpful for us in terms of m- not only making new connections, but also making sure that we're using all of the capabilities or as many of the capabilities that are built into Corda as we possibly can as we build out our network of networks.
0: Yeah. Well, you first off, the venture development team, I think, uh, has been amazingly successful. They for a very young team, they grew very quickly here at R3 and has been able to be pretty impactful for like the startups in our ecosystem, which, uh, it's great to hear that you guys feel the same. So you guys are on that note, like a small and agile team. Mm -hmm. Um, so how are you finding the best solutions for your partners?
3: So understanding the needs of the transactions, uh, that the partner needs to carry out and what their, what their network really looks like. We're finding our partners are sort of bringing their own network in Mm -hmm. a lot of ways. We're working to enable payments for partners who already have a a B2B connection and need to add that additional layer to it. Mm -hmm. And so, um, we're finding that they want to come with their own customers and vendors. Mm-hmm. They want to provide the uh, the the checks on the trust that's um, being used to ascertain who gets to participate in their network. Mm-hmm. And everybody has their own rules for mm-hmm. what that you know what, what, what like. you need to do to get past that gatekeeper. And uh, and then the types of transactions that they need, and um, so just finding that fitness for what their needs are and how to make that automated and how to move that faster. Um, you know the flexibility that CorDA provides um, and the privacy have been the perfect fit for that because we've been able to do some very different projects. We've got you know partner with a more traditional ACH endpoint focused delivery network. Um, and then we've got another project that's doing uh, grant management, Mm-hmm. government agencies, and they have very different use cases, very different business rules. But the foundation is that they're a network of multiple parties interacting mm-hmm. with protocols that they've established and uh, you know rules about trust. And so we're just figuring out what they are for them and helping to implement mm-hmm. them and, and getting them up and bootstrapped.
2: Yeah. It's definitely early days for us, and we are certainly a young and agile team. Uh, but believe it or not, uh, just in the past couple of weeks, we crossed the quarter of a billion dollar threshold wow. in total payment volume that we've processed that's on our awesome. platform since we started moving funds last September. So we're really excited about that. Yeah, that's a big number. It's, it's been that a is climb, a big number.
3: But it's it's exciting.
0: I'm sure. So uh, RJ, you mentioned bootstrapping, and you guys are bootstrapping your business and network bootstrapping. What what's required there? What does that mean?
3: So. In order to figure out how to stand up a, uh, a DLT network, you need to understand what the the lay of the land is for mm-hmm. your partner that you're supporting. And that means who are the people who are interacting? Um, what is the, the line of trust? Who does the validation on which participants are able to join the network? And then figuring out things like uh, technical ability. Who's doing the management? We're doing mm-hmm. more managed services right now than we had anticipated. I know that R3 has looked at managed services as a a necessary part of getting the ecosystem spun up because not everybody is just able to, you know, go spin up their own nodes in the cloud or on their own iron. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, figuring out how to give that hand up to people who want to join the market, they're they're seeing all this buzz about blockchain and DLT and uh, tokens, you know, tokenomics has been happening for a while now and Mm -hmm. it, it seems to really be getting adoption. So as we're still trying to figure out, like, you know, will there be CBDCs? Will there be you know these stablecoin assets of some particular type that are going to be used? There's a lot of uncertainty. So just um, holding the hand and and being willing to help people take those first steps and say, okay, well, first let's let's get you uh, mapped out and let's get your network implemented and figure out what the protocol is for interaction. And then as the new hot you know tools come online, our exchange structure allows us to just add more options. You know, so if you want to now accept a, you know, a token mm-hmm. from a partner yeah. across the Ethereum network or you want to uh, be able to send Bitcoin on the other side of your Corda network, it's mm-hmm. really about network interoperability, which I think is really the looming phase coming next as we all get our our individual networks
0: spun up. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. So how has the crypto craze impacted your business?
2: You know, it's interesting <laughs> because we started. um the uh, We started the company at uh, what Gartner, if you look at their hype cycle, yeah. um, and I'm sure everybody's familiar with that, the notion that when a new technology emerges, you have an early generation of participants, most of whom generate a lot of buzz, but then quickly Uh, fall out, and then you have what's known as the trough of disillusionment. Yep. And during that trough of disillusionment is really when the next generation of companies that are actively able to commercialize the technology typically get started. And so we're pegging based on uh, the um, initial coin offering craze and then crash that we were just about at the trough of disillusionment in uh, March of 2019, and as we talked to potential partners and potential investors, we actually got a lot of pushback yeah. on the notion that we were building <laughs> yeah. on distributed ledger yeah, technology. Yeah, I'm and sure because it was it wasn't a cool thing. It wasn't an in thing. It had just crashed. Yeah, but we persevered, and as a result, you know, not only have we been successfully able to enter the processing business, but we think we have a very significant competitive advantage. Compared to other players in the space that haven't built on DLT, because most of the players in business-to-business payments use old, legacy, very, very linear, sometimes even mainframe-based technologies, and it's been very exciting to see, uh, in particular, the notion of CBDC or central bank digital currency. Even the United States, both the Fed and the Treasury Department, actually, in one of uh, one of the partners that. Uh, RJ mentioned, we're actually working with some of those folks as well. They're starting to actively look at at the notion that the Fed could actually issue a native US dollar as a digital asset. So we definitely think it's coming. Look, there's too many inefficiencies in the old way of doing things. There's too much paper. We've got to get out of paper, uh, get away from paper because of COVID. And there's still a lot of fraud risk and a lot of manual processes. We can make all that pain go away and all that pain translates to cost. Yeah. So we can make costs go away. We can increase speed with the right types of digital assets. So it's exciting to see that somebody that a player as big as the United States government is coming to realize, hey, we need to jump on this bandwagon. And so part of our mission is to help our channel partners and their networks of buyers and suppliers be ready when the time is right to move and settle value via digital assets and not just the traditional settlement rails that we currently tie into. RJ mentioned ACH is one. Mm -hmm. Why are we do use some traditional settlement rails today? Because we have to, but we really see that future coming quicker than I think any of us would have guessed 18 months ago. Yeah.
0: I know, I'm sure, uh, especially because, like you said, the hype cycle, like I, a lot of people probably is like, yeah, yeah, we don't need it, whatever. And now it's like, or like, I know a lot of people hyped up blockchain DLT for so long that the out, people on the outside, like business people who are not in our, our little worlds were like, okay. But now there's obviously a need. Um, so what's next for you guys? Sounds exciting.
3: <laughs> yeah. So we've uh, we've been growing our individual partnerships, and that's really given us a lot of insight into how to go about supporting uh, partners in getting their networks uh, spun up and figuring out how to integrate into the, the wider ecosystem, the, the main net of DLT. And uh, so just continuing to find new um, ways to support our partners mm-hmm. and the services mm-hmm. that they need. Um, you know, identity management is uh, a really big aspect to yeah. bringing anybody onto a network. And it's often something that our partners are not able to handle all of the aspects themselves. They're going to mm-hmm. outsource some of their KYC or whatever their other processes are. So building that network of partners who are in it to participate. And this is, I think, where we really, we're, we're latching onto the decentralized model of business. Yeah. That's emerging, right? The big yeah. advantage is that the incumbents they try and do everything themselves. They have a big fat vertical stack and mm-hmm. top mm-hmm. to bottom. They want to Amazon it. Yeah. Way. Yeah. But, um, but decentralized methodology, it, it flies in the face of that. It says, look, do what you can do it well and find the right partners to do the rest of it. Yeah. And, and I think that you're going to get farther, faster, cheaper, if that's the methodology you adopt so Mm -hmm. that's where we're just trying to get out there and build the connections and and build that network and get everybody pulled on and and moving forward
2: absolutely absolutely and you know as we scale uh our channel partners we're going to continue to scale our business as well yeah Uh, we're about nine folks we just went back into our office in new haven connecticut one of the original uh, centers of innovation for, uh, the Americas back, uh, maybe a hundred or two hundred or so years ago. So it's great to be, uh, back in the office. It's great to have our folks back. We're going to be, uh, continuing to raise additional capital. We want to mm-hmm. be able to build out our team and our capabilities as we continue to grow. And, you know, we want to continue to very much be a close partner, uh, with R3 as we continue that growth on Corda.
3: And if right. you're ever looking to come get a pizza up in New Haven, I was going to say, you, and you want to work at us somewhere, District Co Work is a great spot. That's our, camp, <laughs> that's our campus there, right, right near all the best pizza places. Indeed. that you want to visit. So.
0: Okay, and
3: we've got barbecue on campus.
2: Okay, we're, so
0: we're, that's yeah. nice. Yeah. Absolutely, so, and the
2: state of Connecticut, by the way, has officially designated pizza as the official food of the <laughs> Nutmeg State. So that okay. really seems appropriate.
0: See, I'm a huge pizza girl. So, what it would be your favorite places to recommend in New Haven? Ah. Is it t- is it a hard
3: one i no. i modern, modern.
0: I like sally's, not, sally's. A big, not a big peppy's guy yeah okay that's the only new haven pizza i've had
2: that's yeah. the one most people have had it's, yeah. and that's it's good famous. but there's there are, there are yeah. different there there's better pizza out yeah. there no offense
3: yeah,
0: there bar is. is good too bar what about you what do you think um uh, i'm a big fan of sally's okay okay all right so i'll have to try sally's i've only tried Try Pe- Pepe's? Yeah. Is that? yeah, get past Pepe's. Well, it's yeah. easy
2: enough to reach us. You know, we're right off of the New Haven line. So just down to yeah. Grand Central and you can be out in New Haven in an hour and a half.
0: Okay, yes. The only reason I, I've dri- driven past um, going to the Cape. And, it, and Pepe's mm-hmm. must be right off the highway because why close. would I have gone to there? Yeah, mm-hmm. Okay. There's lots of signage there too. Yeah, I, probably. But New uh, Haven
2: is a great town. You know, it's, uh, it's a classic kind of post-industrial American manufacturing town that's really been on the rebound for the last 20 to 30 years, and yeah. we're excited to play a part of that. We're very focused on trying to do good things within our home state of Connecticut. Yeah. I'm a transplant. RJ is a Connecticut native, traces his <laughs> lineage back to the Mayflower. So we're trying as best we can to <laughs> fact. grow yeah. jobs and grow opportunities for the folks in uh, the Nutmeg State.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you both for joining me today and making the trek down to the city. Anything.
2: Thanks so much for hosting us.
0: Of course. Avoid the Elmos in Times Square. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Indeed. Thank
0: you. Gavin. Yep. Thank you for listening to this episode of Life in the Fast Chain. Share with your friends and family. Share on social. Um, I hope you all enjoyed the episode as much as I enjoyed recording it and stay safe and happy. I have a lot of demands for this, uh, conclusion of this episode. (laughs) Um, but yes, stay safe, happy, and healthy. Bye!